Welcome to the podcast where beast mode meets manifesting goddess. If you're ready to become the energetic match for all of your desires and start achieving from a place of joy and expansion, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Kayla Van Egdom, a health and energy coach, unicorn lover, and Amazon best-selling author. Crushing your goals can feel like self-care, and together we are going to slay and thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our third installment of The Catalyst Diaries. Today, we are hearing about Teresa Weatherby's breakthrough with her health and her fitness. I love a few things about how Teresa focuses on this particular topic. One is that she emphasizes the importance of doing the healing work along with building in the habits and doing those tactical things that are going to improve your health. She also has a really fantastic customizable framework that anybody can use to achieve the deep health that they're looking for. I learned so much from Teresa and enjoyed talking to her so much, and I hope you enjoy the interview as well. Hello, Teresa, and welcome to the Slay and Thrive podcast. Hi, how are you today? I am good. What about yourself? I'm fine, thank you. It's a beautiful day here in Nova Scotia. That is awesome. My best friend actually lives out there as well. So always cool to hear about people from that uh, side of the world. <laughs> it's it's forever from it's like a forever away, isn't it? It's, it's like going to the moon when you're on the other side of um, a country. Canada is very big, so that's totally true. <laughs> it is very vast. For yes. Sure. All right. So I would love if you just started by sharing a little bit about who you are and the work you do in the world. Um, well, my name is Teresa. Um, I grew up here in a small town, Windsor, Nova Scotia. Um, my parents um, brought me here when I was three or four years of age, and I've pretty much been here ever since. My background is in healthcare. Um, I started out as um, a coordinator of a family resource center. And then after that, I went into um, nursing, uh, have been nursing um, since 2006. Um, I also have um, a background in therapeutic recreation. And so all of this education um, actually um, came to serve me very well in uh, 2016. Um, I started experiencing some um, ill health and um, that was unexplainable. Um, the doctors did not know what was wrong with me. I had rapid weight loss. I had um, bladder function problems and um, I was actually um, mentally um, not able to, um, to work. And this was like over a period of probably about a year that things, you know, slowly happened. And by 2017, March of 2017, I left nursing. Mm -hmm. So 
that being said, I had, um, I had education and um, here I was wondering why is this happening to me? I, I know, I know better. I know the steps. I've, I've studied it. I'm supposed to, I, I should have known. I should have seen the signs. But when is there a good time to have a break or a breakthrough, as I call it? Mm -hmm. So uh, 2017, I left nursing and I, um, I thought I was leaving for one week, a little rest and recovery. And that turned into um, four years. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is um, such an interesting story especially the doctors not being able to quite pinpoint what was going on and I think that happens so often so did you kind of go on a journey of self-discovery to kind of put the pieces together yourself after that point um <clears throat> I think it was um after I left work so it was already it was almost like it was too late then they sent me to EAP and different things and um, connected with someone that was a trauma. He um, specialized in trauma. And um, it was just a, a matter of me, like divine timing. I won a court case. I had a life savings and actually my life savings saved my life because I took that money and I, I actually devised a wellness contract for myself. I used the information that I knew from therapeutic recreation and nursing and devised my own healthcare plan. Wow. <laughs> I'm that determined. And so in between sleeping, because I was so severely depressed and um, it's almost like a wound that festers. Um, a lot of times you don't remember childhood traumas and things that have happened to you. So you're sleeping and you're purging and you're remembering. And so I would sleep, I would research what was happening to me and I would study people that were successful and happy and I would mimic what they did. And so as I did all of these things kind of meshed together in a very messy way, it, it certainly wouldn't have looked good from anybody looking outward, but it worked because I was doing, I had to heal. I had to start practicing. I had to do, you have to do it all. And so it's like stumbling like a toddler. I was, I was learning. I was practicing my own healing, the own, the healing modalities that I learned in school, mirror work breath work, um, you know, the things that I said I can't do. And also I was freed um, during this journey by um, receiving labels. And as much as people, you know, you can be down on yourself about labels in researching the symptoms of some of my labels, I then felt freedom that other people felt that same loneliness and every night around 7 p.m. It didn't matter if I was in a relationship or not. And I can share this now. I feel this. I would feel this impending loneliness. My partner couldn't love me enough. You know, I couldn't get enough soothing from that point. And 
And it was, wasn't even until last year when I laughed at myself, I was having a moment of feeling that. And I said, it's no different than your dementia patient sundowning. It's the symptom of your ADHD. You're tired. This is when you need to self-soothe. This is when you do your bedtime routine. It's all about the awareness. But for years, I didn't, I didn't know that people didn't think like me. I thought everybody thought like me. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of power in knowing just that universality in that, like, none of us are alone, no matter how special snowflake our challenges are, or how, like, how, I mean, a word I used to have used for myself often is how wrong we are for feeling or acting the way we are, how messed up, like there are going to be hundreds, if not thousands, or even millions of other people who have such similar experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in my darkest moments, and I did listen just to the last podcast that you, you did with your guest, Mm -hmm. um, when she was talking about that dark time. So I, I bet I reached that I reached that moment. I had had three failed marriages, my children had had lived abuse and things that as a mom you didn't you never want your children to experience and I was I felt like a complete failure and now I can't even go to work so that was the one thing that was still um you know giving me that satisfaction or filling me up a little bit and so when all of those things were taken away at my darkest moment the 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 thing that did stop me is is that you think your children are suffering now? Can you imagine if you are if you were to do what you want to do right now and your own suffering, how much more suffering you are? And I'm getting emotional because how much more suffering that would have created for my children. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that I was like, you, you can't do this. You are the leader. You are the mama duck. So yes. This is going to be the most, most painful experience. Owning this, stepping into this healing. This is your responsibility. It's like what you said, there comes a point when it's no longer anybody else's. It's, it's, it's happened 30, 40, 20, 10, five minutes ago. If you're hanging on to it, it's now you hanging on to it. Mm-hmm. And some of the little aha moments were like, um, I bent over, I spilled something on the kitchen floor and I bent over and I called myself the most negative name. And I didn't even realize at that point that you had this internal dialogue. And so I was having these aha moments and it was like, you wouldn't speak to Lila and Lila's my precious little grandchild. You wouldn't speak to Lila that way. Why do you speak to yourself that way when you spill something on the floor? It was almost like this third person, like, it's like, who's like, I'm in a movie. It's like, who's speaking to me? And I started having a lot more of those moments. And then I go to my therapist and I tell them about it and they go, oh yeah, that's very interesting. You're connecting with all of your different parts and you're accepting yourself. And basically that's what Flossom is. Accepting all of yourself, all Mm -hmm. of your parts good, you're bad and you're ugly and 
And so just loving it all. Definitely. So before we dive in and talk more about Flossom and how you came up with that name, um, one thing I wanted to just highlight is how much I loved your approach to healing in that you did the healing and the working through the past stuff and you were creating the actions that would create success and happiness in the present. I think a challenge that can happen is some people will do just the healing and working on the past stuff in therapy. And some people will just try to ignore all that, sweep it under the rug and just do the uh, healthy habits and let's be positive instead of integrating both. And you allowed it to be messy and it didn't have to look glamorous or smooth because when you're doing that work and the healing work at the same time, it's going to be messy by default. And you didn't let that hold you back. No, I didn't actually my personal trainer. So those are the two things that I paid for right off the bat. I paid for a personal trainer and I paid for a trauma therapist Mm -hmm. out of pocket and the personal trainer, um, actually it's, it's a beautiful story that we have, and that will be for another podcast, but, um, she was able to hold space for me. And so I'm having a flashback or a moment where I just became, you know, engulfed in tears or whatever. Uh, she just allowed that. It's like, no, I'm not going to the locker room to hide. I am a real person. And, and if someone wants to ask what's going on, I can explain to them. I'm having a flashback. Let's, let's talk about this and let's not hide it anymore. And I'm, I'm either completely oblivious that I should be hiding <laughs> or courageous or whichever. I don't know, but I was not going to hide. And so, and she allowed that. So at good life, I'd be there. It's not just pouring out of me because something would hit me at at that moment while she was working a muscle. It's really interesting how the body and the mind work together like that. Absolutely. I actually had a guest um, quite a few months back and she does a lot of this work where she'll do work on the body, but um, she'll put the body into certain positions where the body was once traumatized. And that is super, super healing. So I can absolutely see how that would be the case. And personally, I think you're courageous for being able to be your full self and not hide those emotions. So Teresa, I'd love if you could just share a little bit more about Flossum and how you came up with that name and just a little bit more about what that concept means to you. Well, um, in uh, 2019, it was so a few years into um, into my healing, someone challenged me to go into, um, it's called a figure competition, because mm-hmm. uh, I had already incorporated the movement and the, the body sculpting part into my wellness routine. And so by chance, uh, um, the coach that I had hired, um, her daughter got sick and she couldn't coach me. And I was eight weeks from competition and was given a name and her name is Amory Flynn. And she became my mentor and coach. And in eight weeks, she got me from a girl that was faced with mirrors and which brought out every bit of healing um, to walk in heels, um, to learn all the poses and to win my first competition. And that was like my it's almost like my coming out party. You're coming out uh, almost naked um, 
And it was in my hometown where I was born all those years ago in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And so it was symbolic to that. And that was the beginning. And then she became my coach for two years. And in one of our sessions, when I completely had, had, I guess, healed from body dysmorphia, I recognized my greatness. And I said, I'm a powerful warrior princess and I have jiggly bits too. And she said, you're flossom. How does that feel? And I said, it feels amazing. And then I said, can I use that? And she said, absolutely. <laughs> we giggled and it, it has been the word ever since. It's a philosophy. It's not just a word. It's a way of life. It's about loving yourself totally. As a human, we are imperfect. It's, it's, we're like a kaleidoscope. We have all these little shards of glass and depending what pressure, some of the glass are really sharp and some of them are smooth. And, and, and when they all come together, they form who you are. And how beautiful is that? And each of us is different and unique, yet we're so absolutely beautiful and amazing. So that's what Flossom is. And it does trigger some people. I've had people say, I absolutely do not like that word. And I said, let's, let's talk about that. What, what does that bring up for you? And they're like, flaws. I'm not flawed. And I'm like, well, to be human is to be flawed. And, you know, so it just opens um, discussion. And I absolutely love the word. It, I, I do live by it. I, it, it. It feels to me like a reclamation of the word flaw because it has such a negative connotation to so many people, especially those probably struggling with perfectionism and believing there is a perfect, but to combine flaw with awesome right. is just so empowering. And it lets us just, I, I personally love it. So <laughs> I call it the flossom freedom because when you absolutely, so some of my biggest honest, the, my biggest kryptonites would be also the, my biggest they would be the things that would bring me the most reward as well. So when I'm really, really nervous, I get talkative. Well, most people, when they get nervous, they get very quiet. And so isn't that a blessing that when I'm in a situation where I'm in a crowd or whatever, I get really talkative and everybody else get really quiet, right? So I'm like, see, that's one of the ways we're blossom. It's, I just see it as a win, right? And I think you can do that with any of your personal flaws you have. I know I was actually talking to uh, my boyfriend yesterday and I was talking about, you know, some of my like flaws. And I talked about this ridiculous thing that I do where I'll be having a completely nice conversation with someone. And then I'll suddenly overthink a random thing I said, worrying that I've offended them, even though there's no evidence of offense. And I'll just like chew on it for like days on end. And yeah, that's kind of a, habit that causes me some distress. And also it, it can be a sign that I really care about the people I'm conversing with and don't want to offend them. So I think when we look at our flaws in this way with a, some humor, B lots of love and acceptance, and then C seeing what's actually beneficial about them. It is such a great way to reclaim what we might perceive initially as limitation. Oh, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. So 
So I would love to hear you did a lot of work, both healing and on your physical health, because I've heard how much discipline and focus needs to go into those fitness competitions. So how did improving your physical health lead to transformation in other areas of your life? Well, in that year, in 2019, so it, part of my um, physical illness was that I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So I was feeling like this chronic pain. So, but I was not giving up the gym. And so in um, meeting Amory Flynn and changing my diet, which became very clean, I was eating just whole foods and my pain went away. So that was the very first correlation was like, wow, I changed my diet. And within three, four days, the, the, the muscle twitching and the deep pain is starting to subside. So that was pretty amazing to me. Um, and then, of course, then the depression and the anxiety. And um, she's, her um, specialty is working on mindset. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that feelings are feelings, they're like a barometer. They're like a barometer. They're telling you something's going on here. Yet they're not facts. Facts and feelings are two totally separate things. And for most of my life, I lived this roller coaster of feelings, which had nothing to do with facts. And when I started realizing that um, and reframing, um, it, it just all started to come together. I think the biggest transformation was in my mind and not the body. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think you need that mind transformation to successfully transform the body in many cases, because there are so many emotions and stories and narratives and all those things that hold us back from either a doing what we know is going to get us those results or b when we hold on to some of those stuck emotions or those limiting stories it will actually do things to us physiologically even if we're doing all the right things totally totally and so I had to shed all of those little sticky notes I call them those labels those things that you know um it you know you collect them over life. Um, but by the time you meet, reach my age, I'm in my fifties, you've collected them, whether they're from your parents, grandparents, teachers, boyfriends, girlfriends, friends, just people in the community. It happens. Right. And so we have them, you know, we don't, we're human. We don't wear Teflon. And so, and if then you were raised in, in a family that didn't have the skills, and I love my parents dearly. They did not have the skills. And um, and my mom even said that once to me. I remember um, my mom died a long time ago. She was 57. But I remember she said to me, she said, moms, she said, you'll understand one day. Moms get blamed for everything. And I sort of do understand what she's saying. As as mothers, we wear, we wear the weight of um, the family's emotional well-being and 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 their health and, and overall wellness. And a lot of times we weren't given the tools ourselves. And so we're all waffling. Mm-hmm. I say life is a fuggle and we're just doing the best we can. And so I, over this course of time, I came up with the five M's, um, which are the pillars, the flossum, 
that anybody can apply to their life, no matter where you are at, age or stage, um, you can dial it up, right? Um, I believe in that, that you can dial it up. There's always progression. That's what's so exciting about life is that until our last breath, we get to, um, we get to experience and grow and progress. And so the five M's are mindfulness, mindset, menu, movement, and mapping. And then the S's, that's very important too. It stands for sleep, stress, and sex. Mm-hmm. Combination, that is, that's, that's wellness. That's, if people took care of those, those areas, those key areas, they would be all set. Absolutely. And I think it's great that you factor in a few that aren't often factored in, particularly the mapping and the mindfulness and the mindset because menu and movement, those are pretty standard. And then of course, sleep and stress also. And then people don't talk about sex enough, in my opinion, because that's a huge part of it too. Um, So I love you first pillar in my program because it actually it's the most important it's the why mm-hmm. so in, in everything that you do and everything that you feel and everything that you say it's so it's the pillar right it's like what are you feeling what are you thinking what are you seeing what are you feeling so without that and in most programs don't teach that so if I give you um I could give you I could give you a menu program. I can give you a movement program. You're going to go away. It's going to be like a recipe. Mm-hmm. But until you know the why, why do I crave chocolate chip cookies at 3 p.m. every day after the kids get home and complain to me about being bullied or like <laughs> whatever's going on? It's about the whys. It's like, are you eating? eating the cookies because you you're trying to de-stress and well if you are then you now know are you eating the cookies because you you want a cookie you, you just want a cookie right are you eating the cookie because it comes after supper and it's a nice treat it's it's someone asked me once do you question how how much do you question yourself and i said sometimes probably 3000 times a day. I don't know. I lose track because I question everything. I'm recovering from trauma from childhood, complex trauma. So I am now learning new pathways, new thinking. So sometimes I have to ask the why, well, why would you think that much? Like you said, you read too much into a text and then you wait three days, (laughs) Right. So mm-hmm. then I question myself now. So what's the solution? Reach out to this person and ask if it's bothering you and you want to stop it. Do you know what I mean? So I just learned to ask myself and coach myself and be the parent, the very nice, fair, loving, encouraging, best parent I could be to myself. I call it, I started babying myself right from the first thing after my breakdown was to eat because mm-hmm. when you're physically and mentally not well, you don't want to eat or shower. Mm-hmm. So I had to build myself up from scratch, just like a baby, just like an infant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was another thing you said about the five M's is that there's always another level and way to progress all of them, which I absolutely love as well. Um, so we touched on mindfulness. So just that importance of 
curiosity and, and almost challenging and inquiring into all of the different thoughts and like ways you show up on a regular basis. And I love that you said, sometimes you'll do it 300 times a day because the more we do it, the better we get at it. And then it becomes our second nature. So then when a thought comes up or a craving comes up, that's creating stress or tension, we've just trained ourselves to really question that before reacting, which is so powerful. And then I want you to share a little bit about how you do mindset as well. What does that look like? Well, mindset was just getting curious about why I believe what I believe, or why do you just accept that? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, for a long time, I felt really, um, I'm not going to lie. I felt really sad every Friday night. Um, My first husband and I, from the time we were teenagers, 15 years old, we would go out on a date on Friday night. And as a single woman, Friday nights, whereas my depressed, depressed, feel sorry for myself night, it really was for a long time. And then after I um, had my breakdown and I joined the gym, Friday night became a celebration. I go to the gym on Friday night. It was was my time for me. And my whole, I realized that it's sometimes the way you look at things, you know, who taught you that, that sitting in a restaurant alone is, is, is not valuable or, or not okay. And I start questioning my, my bigger values, I guess, not just the, the little, why are you doing that now? But why do you, why do you have to be married why do you have to feel like a failure because you have three marriages? Why can't you see yourself as a superhero because you were willing to try it again and again and again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, so I just start questioning the bigger picture too. And the mindset start changing instead mm-hmm. of being a closed mindset, which I thought I was very open-minded by the way, <laughs> um, which I really wasn't because really, if you challenged my beliefs, I would have been really offended or um, defensive. And I didn't even realize it. Whereas now I'd be like, let's dig, let's dig on this. Like, why do you think that? Yeah, definitely. So mindfulness is that present moment. Mindfulness and then mindset is sort of your framework of how you view the world and how you view your story and what's going on in that bigger scheme of things. Definitely definitely where you, and where you fit in, in that. Yeah. And I find the more mindful you are, then the more your mindset changes. So I went from feeling like that victim mentality, mentality where everybody was at me, you know, the, um, you know, society's against me, you know, you know how you just, you think everything's against you. you know? Yes. And, yeah. And- Excellent. And I get caught up in that. And I'm not going to lie. I did, you know, oh, I raised the kids on my own. Oh, do, 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 do. And then one day I had an epiphany and I'm like, you know what? You got to celebrate every Christmas with your children, every Easter, every boo-boo, every prom, every, and yes, it was hard work because you had to do it alone. Yet you, you got to do that. And I cried like a baby when I had that um epiphany that day because mm-hmm. it was like yeah it was really hard and at the same time there was a flip side to that and that this is the flip side that they sat on your bed and told you their stories and 
you get to celebrate all of the firsts and everything. I really um, was blessed that way. That so. is a powerful reframe. Yes. Yes. I had some big ones. <laughs> yes. And I think anytime we're able to break out of that victim story, it's so helpful as well. Cause I definitely had my own like, woe is me. Why did all these things happen? This guy, that guy, whatever. But I think we can either have our victim story or we can have personal responsibility, but we cannot have both because they're just completely at odds. And I personally would rather have the personal responsibility. <laughs> Yes, that's so true. You really can't. And that's why I say, you know, I thought I was open-minded, right? Like you, (laughs) but it's all just layers. And so Mm. I didn't know what I didn't know. And in 10 more years, when I look back and I giggle at this Teresa that's speaking right here today, Mm -hmm. I, I only know what I've learned up to this point and what I've experienced. So here's where we're at. And, you know, it is, it is hard because I remember seeing a picture of my mom and, you know, that's another podcast in itself, but I saw a picture of her and it was just like one of those little wallet sized ones. And it was of me and her and I'd be about seven. So that'd make her about 25. And I realized how much, um, how much, weight and responsibility I had put on her thinking she was the adult and yet she was so young. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And then here I am years later and I have my own, you know, son looking at me and said, well, why did you have us? Why didn't you have basically your shit together before you had us? And I was flashing back to going like, oh my goodness, we just don't know what we don't know. And my mother was no different. She was so young, mm-hmm. you know, she had me at the age of, at eight, at 18, you know? So that's a very young person um, mm-hmm. trying to figure and navigate life out on their own and now bringing in, and then their own traumas and their own, mm-hmm. and her own story which I will share one day. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So it's amazing how we're able to evolve out of that, like tendency to vilify our mothers because I was in the same boat for a long time. And then, you know, in more recent years, I've been like, my mom had me when I was 20, also very young. And I think back to how I was when I was 20. And if I had had a child at that time, uh, my goodness, that poor child. So we just start to have a better frame of reference as we do realize what we don't know and we're willing to entertain other perspectives and other things that we hadn't once thought of. That's true. That's true. I think the biggest part of healing though, is to actually be able to sit, have these conversations with my children. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, my mom and I didn't get to have those conversations so much because um, it triggered in her that shame and guilt of not living up to probably what she would have wanted to be because you know we're in imperfect and it's hard sometimes um yet i'm glad that i get to have those conversations i mean i didn't break the chain as in i didn't have the tools but now my children you know we're working through 
the family stuff and um, they're gaining the tools alongside me. And that's the thing about the five M's. It's about finding your formula. Mm-hmm. So whereas other programs are about do it this way, mine is you need these structures and then you get to do it your way. What resonates with you and what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning and that's not your routine, then at 10 a.m. in the morning, do your morning routine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Just honoring people's personal preferences and desires is such a key part of, I think, any program that's going to be sustainable. And then I'd love if you just shared about mapping as well. That's the other one I'd really love to hear you touch on. Well, mapping is basically that. Um, It's about having a goal and having things it's about putting it in, um, in intention and taking the dream and putting it down and then, and then looking at it and seeing, is that, is that doable? Like, are you kidding yourself or is this something obtainable? And then how are we going to do it? And you can do it for all the wellness dimensions. So, so that's it. You go back to the mindfulness. What am I going to do today to be more mindful? All right. Am I going to set an alarm? Well, at one time I did, I set an alarm and I had a happy dance, right? Mm -hmm. Or I had a laughter where I'd watch babies laugh because I knew it would actually make me laugh and it would release the endorphins into my brain, the chemicals. So Mm -hmm. I was very intentional, but as you go along, it's going to change. You're going to dial it up and it's going to look really different in the beginning. It might be drinking your water. Every time I have brushed my teeth, I'm going to drink a glass of water every Every time I have a cup of coffee, I'm going to have my water ahead of time. The actions of that. Well, in a couple of years, drinking water might not be the problem. So what are you going to do? Are you going to drink filtered water? Are you going to make it room temperature water? It's always about dialing it up and and keeping track and and progressing and changing. Mm -hmm. So that's where the mapping comes in. So just to clarify so mapping is that bigger picture goal and then you're reverse engineering it so you're taking it from that big picture to what needs to happen this month this week this day that's right excellent and do you have any um, i think most people call it smart goals basically you're taking you're taking that um that idea Mm -hmm. of whatever you want in life because you know for overall wellness, it's not just about an exercise program or um, or a diet program. And that's where my therapeutic recreation, I'm like, okay, so if you have, if you're eating regimented and you're doing your exercise, but you're miserable in doing so, how sad it makes my heart. Because <laughs> that to me is not wellness. I want people to feel deep health and wellness. So it's about something that's obtainable. I had a client that dialed it up by buying TV dinners that had less sodium and more protein. Mm-hmm. He dropped his uh, blood pressure from 200 over um, 100 to 130. I think he said 135 over 80. That's a huge improvement just from like a shift in the direction you want to go. Yes just a shift, just dial it up a little bit. Don't, don't um, take that jump into the deep end when you haven't learned how to doggy paddle or anything else. And, and people are more successful. They're more successful 
when they know they're not alone, they they know that someone's going to talk truth with them about the demons and how the inner critic sounds because it, yes. it sounds horrible. It's, it's not a nice, pleasant voice. It says, oh, dear, you're going to fail today. It says, hey, bitch, you're falling flat on your face and you're going to look horrible. And I talk truth to my clients and they love it. They're like, oh, that's how I sound. I'm like, I know, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing I'd love you to just uh, touch on as well is so you have the five M's. And there's always that other level you can go to. So would you recommend people have their five M's and then revisit them at regular intervals? Yes. Um, so usually I would do a check-in. So my clients, usually it would be bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. And so we would be checking in on the five M's and we'd have a goal for each one. Yeah. Yeah. And I call them daily promises. It's like, did you have... And usually they pick something in, in each, say, drinking water. The other one might be um, showing up and doing a mirror work or a daily affirmation. You know, there's like a daily promise in each of the M's. And I had a client come to me once that was doing everything perfectly. And she said that to me. She said, I don't understand. I'm, do- I'm following everything perfectly. And I said, can we talk? And she said, yes. And I said, how's your sleep and where's your stress level? Mm-hmm. We didn't budge. Her weight did not budge in the three months we were working together and we couldn't figure it out until she was willing to sit down and have hardcore conversation about her stress and her sleep. Mm-hmm. So those are two major factors that you can be doing everything cookie cutter. But if you don't bring your body into that safe zone, it doesn't yes. matter. I think, yeah, you nailed it on the head is that when our stress levels are high and when we're not sleeping, that's just going to put our body into that chronic stress response where physiologically stuff's just not going to work. And then I feel, and let me know your thoughts on this, those five M's might become an additional stress because we haven't been managing the stress. Is that something you find? Right. So it all goes back to that mindfulness part. That's why I say it's pillar number one. Definitely. So what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What are my behaviors? Right? Yes. And sometimes things do, they have to be, okay, so this is it. Habits, they're mundane. Sometimes they're just mundane. Brushing your teeth. I don't think I'm ever going to go or dishes. Maybe it's dishes. These are things that you do. I don't think anybody really absolutely enjoys using their time to do those things but guess what in creating those habits and that structure you free up so much time to do other things like to play your sports or to be creative um, or to be nurturing or to serve others so it's like such a win-win and yet people sometimes look at me and go oh you're so obsessed I'm like no (laughs) it's so freeing it's so freeing. Batch cook a few things and, you know, get up in the morning and love yourself. And, you, and, and you're like an energized, like, um, rechargeable battery. Mm-hmm. You've got to use it to, to get that energy built up. And you're going to feel amazing after you do it. I swear. Yes, I completely agree. So, Teresa, I have loved just having this chat with you about your journey and the amazing framework you have that can help anyone. 
So if people want to learn more about you and about Flossom Wellness, how can they connect with you? They can reach out to flossomwarrior at gmail.com or they can find me on Facebook, Teresa Weatherby, and just send me a message. Or they can uh, fire me off a text at 902-790-2407. And I'd be so excited to talk about wellness. Excellent. Well, thank you again for being here, Teresa. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you're loving this podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd subscribe, leave a rating and review of this podcast wherever you listen, and maybe even share this episode with a friend or two. And if you want bonus live trainings, challenges, a monthly book club, and a community of other amazing people looking to slay and thrive daily, I would love for you to join our free Facebook community, the Unicorn Thunder Playground. Hope to see you inside.